It's worshiping. It's listening. It's waiting. There's so many facets to this wonderfully complex thing called prayer. And there's a lot of challenges in prayer. Many of us struggle in prayer. We struggle staying faithful in prayer. We struggle with all the complexities of it. And that will be what we deal with next week, the problems of prayer. So email me your questions and struggles, and we're going to try to address those. But today, we're going to talk about the power of prayer. Hallelujah. It's fun to sometimes step back from all those confusion and struggles and questions and just say, you know what? There's power in this thing called prayer. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses prays in disobedience to God. Have you ever noticed that? You check it out. God says, leave me alone. I'm going to destroy these people. I'm so sick and tired of them. Moses says, nope, can't do it, God. He intercedes and God relents, changes his mind. Go figure that one out. All I know is it is what it says. Moses prays, God changes his mind. Power of prayer. First Kings, Ezekiel prays. Or Elijah prays and fire comes from heaven and consumes the Baal worshipers. Woo! James says that Elijah prays and it did not rain for three and a half years and then he prayed and it rained. Power of prayer. Hezekiah and Isaiah 38 prays and God answers and gives him 15 more years to his life. The book of Acts, and we'll see that today. The church prays, mighty things happen. All I know, guys, is this. The Bible says over and over, there's power in prayer. Jesus said in John 15, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish, it'll be done. Jesus said, say to this mountain, be moved, it'll be moved. John 16 and 24, until now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask that you may receive that your joy may be made full. James 5, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person can accomplish much. Over and over and over and over, power in prayer. We have at our disposal a weapon, a resource for supernatural intervention. God moves through the prayers of His people. Now I'm going to give you four reasons today why prayer is so powerful. And I want you to listen carefully because this is also going to be an English lesson on prepositions and relative pronouns. Alright? The first one is this. Power in prayer because of the God to whom we pray. Beloved, we need to just remind ourselves, do we not? Who are we talking to? We are talking in prayer to the God of the universe. The sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. The one who spoke the stars into existence. The one who parted the Red Sea. The one who gave the Passover blood and freed His people from Egypt. The Jesus who did miracle after miracle. This is the God we come before. My daughter gave me permission to share this, but this week she was in a bit of a pickle. She needed a roommate within a week. So she didn't have this where she's having to pay the full you know, thing. And, and she's like, God, she goes on a walk and she's praying, God, I know this is short timing. You know, it's one of those, I don't know if you can do it, Lord. <laughs> I mean, I know you're part of the Red Sea, but I don't know if you can give me a roommate within five days. And sure enough, he did. But, you know, you just look at that. Sometimes don't we do the same? It's like, Lord, I know you did this, but I don't know how you're going to pull this one off. 
the God to whom we pray. Perhaps this is why the Lord's Prayer begins, Our Father who art in heaven. Let's begin reminding ourselves, He's a Father, He's in heaven, He's almighty, with Him nothing is too difficult. This is who I come before. Not coming before some wimpy, frail, limpy, injured, little G-God. I'm coming before the God of heaven and earth. And how He uses one person or a group of people to move heaven to earth, I don't know, but I know He does it. Countless testimonies of the power of prayer. Praise God for that. He's bigger, He's stronger, He's mightier than any sin, temptation, struggle, challenge, or barrier you face. No need is bigger than our God. Come on. Now we're going to get to this later, but no wave of darkness across the United States is more powerful than God and His light. Come on. No lies in our culture are stronger than His truth. And I know we live in tough times, but our God is bigger and stronger. He's bigger than all the division in politics. He's bigger than all the sexual immorality in our nation. He's bigger than all the addictions that are gripping people's lives today. He's bigger than all the confusion. He's even bigger than the debt ceiling. How they can't figure out how to approve a balanced budget is beyond me. We need Newt Gingrich back. We won't go there. But we need some changes. He's bigger than the debt ceiling, hallelujah. Because <laughs> he owns cattle on a thousand hills. Second reason why there's power in prayer, not only the God to whom we pray, but the will for which we pray. The will for which we pray. Beloved, we're not asking for our will. If we are, it ain't going to get answered. James 4 says, You have not because you ask not. You ask and don't receive because you ask it for your own pleasures, to spend it as you wish. That's selfish prayers. But the other part of the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. That's what we're praying. The will of God on earth to take place. And when you pray His will, He answers. If you don't believe it, look at 1 John chapter 5. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. See, you don't have confidence in prayer unless you're praying His will. But when you pray His will, you can have confidence. Talk to a guy between services and he goes, man, this part of the sermon really hit me today because I pray with these guys at work and they pray as if they never believe it's going to happen. It's like, well, I hope you can do it, Lord. I don't know how you're going to pull it off, Lord. I hope you will. It's not hope. It's pray His will in faith. And he says right here, if you ask anything according to His will, He hears us. We know that He hears us. Whatever we ask, we know we have what we've asked of Him. Why? Because we're praying His will. If you're praying His will, He promises to do it. How do you know if you're praying His will? It's not complicated. We need to get away from this praying, and then, if it be thy will, how about getting a hold of His will so you know you're praying according to His will? How do you know you're praying His will? His Word doesn't take a rocket scientist. His Word is His will. So the best way to pray His will is to pray His Word. You're praying for somebody to grow in their relationship with Jesus. Parents, you're praying for your children. You go to a prayer like Ephesians 1, God, I pray that You would open the eyes of their heart, that they would know the, 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 the hope of their calling, the riches of Your inheritance in the saints, and the surpassing power of You who raised Christ from the dead, if it be Your will. What? 
You would never pray that and tack on if it be your will because you're praying His Word. You know it's His, His will. God, I pray that You would open the eyes of my children that they would know the height, depth, width, and length and power of Your great love. Ephesians 3. Man, you pray that. You know you're praying His will, so you don't pray with any doubt. You're praying confidently. Confidence. Power in prayer when you pray His will. I lead a class on Wednesday nights and we've been going through my material in my new book, Grow Up. And two weeks ago, Stella shared that she had some struggles sleeping. And so we gathered around her and prayed for her. And as we were praying, and this is one of the things that I experience. We'll get to it under the next point. But one of the things that I often experience when I pray with other people is God will often just bring Scriptures to my mind or bring kind of a word to mind, whether you call it a prophetic word or not. And so we're praying for Stella. Boom, the, the verse pops up. I can't even remember the reference. Somewhere in the Psalms, I think it says, He gives to His beloved even in their sleep. I felt an impression to claim that over her. That's Scripture. So I said, God, give to Stella in her sleep. Give her sleep. She came back last Wednesday. We had a little praise time. She said, that night I've slept 12 hours and I've been sleeping great ever since. Praise God. Praying His will. Praying His word. So a phrase I'm going to use later, and this is something I've come up with recently, knees on the carpet, boots on the ground. We'll get to what that means. But I'm going to say, knees on the carpet, book in hand, boots on the ground. Knees on the carpet, where you're seeking God, and you're saying, God, I pray you'd give me your heart for this situation. So sometimes this is a seek his face more than his hands, but when you, get his ha when you get his face, you'll get his hands working for you. So you're seeking his face, you're seeking his will, you're, seeking, you're asking him to give you a revelation of his will for that situation. Maybe you're not sure how to pray about it. And especially if you can get scriptures related to that situation, then you're guided more effectively in your prayers to pray according to his will. Now this third reason why prayer is important is closely related because I think part of praying with others is getting confirmation about His will. I love it when I'm praying with a group and I hear people going, man, I agree with that, Lord. Yes, yes, there's agreement. And that goes into Matthew chapter 18 where he says, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. So if somebody in a group is praying a selfish prayer, the other people should say, I don't agree with that. You need to get that more in line with the will of God. We need to be that way with each other. But when a person is praying according to God's will and their sense of confirmation in the body, it's powerful. So the third reason why prayer is so important is the body with whom we pray. Now we're moving from individual prayer to corporate prayer. Praying together. This is where, beloved, I believe God is wanting to raise the spiritual temperature in this church. We do not pray enough together. That needs to change. That will change this summer on Wednesday nights. But this is the corporate aspect of prayer because in Revelation 1 it says we are a kingdom, listen closely, and a priest unto God. First, we're a priest. That's the individual. I'm a priest. You're a priest. Andy, you're saved. You're born again. You're a priest of God. The Bible says you're a royal priesthood. That means you can minister to God and for God. That's your individual relationship with Jesus. But it also says we're a kingdom. That's plural. We as a body are the kingdom of light to push back the forces of darkness, to advance the kingdom of God, to bring thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven 
Okay? So this is where together we pray as priests individually, but as the kingdom, and we seek to be His hands and feet to advance His purposes on earth. So this week, I'm thinking, okay, if this is true, then we'll see that fleshed out in the early church. So I did a brief study of the prayer life of the early church. Pentecost Sunday, kind of appropriate. That we would analyze the early church. We should be in line with much of what they did, right? They weren't perfect, but they got a lot right. And I want to just give you five things that we can learn from the early church. You can turn to these passages if you want, but we're going to go kind of quickly. They'll be on the screen. First of all, the church was powerful in the book of Acts because they were birthed in prayer. When Jesus ascended, He said, wait in Jerusalem till the promise of the Holy Spirit comes. What did they do for those ten days? They waited. They prayed. It says they were constantly joined together in prayer. What a great way for the church to be birthed. In prayer. They're seeking God. They're worshiping God. They're probably getting some things right in their life. I think one of the reasons it took ten days, obviously, was to go with, the, with the, the Feast of Pentecost. But I also think it was because probably they had some issues they had to get rid of before the Holy Spirit could really fill them. Probably a little division, a little comparison, a little selfishness, pride that he probably needed to root out to make room for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And listen, you're not filled today because you might have issues in your life that are blocking his flow. Sometimes parts of us have to get out so all of him can get in and work and fill us and control us and empower us. So they were constantly in prayer. That's how they were birthed. Number two, what happened after 3,000 were saved? Peter preaches, 3,000 saved, so they got a big church on their hands. What was some of the items that were common for that group of people? Number two, the church was consistent in prayer. They didn't just pray a one and done. They were regularly in prayer. It was a part of their rhythm of life. Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Wow. Number three, they had a regular prayer meeting. What? Yes. It says in Acts 3, 1, Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. <laughs> there was a specific time and place designated for corporate prayer. We have prayer on Thursdays at noon in the house of prayer. We have prayer on Wednesdays in the house of prayer. June and July, there'll be prayer here in the worship center every Wednesday night for adults. We have prayer the first Saturday of every month in the house of prayer. The Secondes lead prayer. There's multiple options. We encourage our small groups to pray. We encourage people to find a group that they're comfortable with and pray on a regular basis. My challenge to you here is, are you part of some regular corporate prayer time? I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty or leave all shamed up. But I'm challenging us all. This is an area that the, the, the spiritual temperature needs to increase at Living Hope. We do not pray enough together. And it needs to change. So they met at a consistent time and place, and it was daily. For them, it was daily. And then it's interesting, this little phrase really hit me this week. The ninth hour. Anybody remember the significance of the ninth hour? Luke chapter 23 says that when Jesus was on the cross, 
darkness fell upon the whole land from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. That was noon to 3 p.m. And at the ninth hour, it says, He breathed His last. He said to the Father, Into your hands I commit my spirit. He said, It is finished. And at the ninth hour, the veil of the temple was torn in two, making a way for you and I to come to God in the Holy of Holies and to have access to His presence because of what Jesus did at the cross. I believe they chose the ninth hour as the time of prayer so that every day at 3 p.m. when they came to prayer, they go, oh God, we are here right now at the very hour you paid our price. You paid our sin. You were full atonement. How can it be that Thou, my God, should die for me? God, it was at this very hour the veil was torn and making way for us to come into Your holy presence. Oh, how could they not have come just in worship and praise and gratitude because it was at the ninth hour that He paid our sins in full. Hallelujah. I love those little nuggets in Scripture that if you don't land and linger long enough, you'll miss. But when you stop and you see the significance, why the ninth hour? Because that's when Christ paid our debt. Now as the church grew, demands and needs got greater, people began to complain. You ever been to a church where people complain? My needs aren't getting met. I'm getting overlooked. And that began to happen then. So they were not the perfect church. You know, you know the old phrase, don't, if you think you found a perfect church, don't join? It won't be perfect anymore. Because you're in it. <laughs> church is imperfect because it's full of imperfect people. And your pastor is definitely one of those. But they began to complain. People were feeling overlooked because the church was growing so fast. The leaders then did something very brilliant. They delegated some of those, those kind of meet the needs of people, the serving of the table stuff. Why? Because fourth, the church leaders made prayer a priority. Leaders, take note. If you're a parent, you're a leader in your family, so this applies about all of us. But we, this is why they explain the delegation of those other tasks. We will devote ourselves to prayer in the ministry of the Word. You see, the, the leaders understood that we cannot neglect this important responsibility. There will always be demands on our time. Parents, church leaders, pastors, there will always be things that are buying for your time and attention. There will always be reasons to give an excuse to not set our heart to seeking God. But if you're too busy to pray, you're busier than God intends for you to be. There's always time for the will of God to be done. And He commands us to pray and to seek His face and to be in His Word. First things first. And finally, the fifth reason we see power in prayer in the early church is they saw powerful results from prayer. In Acts 4 and 31, they pray the place is shaken. They went out boldly to preach. In Acts 12, 5 to 9, Peter is put in jail. The church prays and he's miraculously delivered. Now it is interesting, if you look at that passage in Acts chapter 12, verses 5 to 9, that when he's released, they don't even believe it's him that showed up. So take heart. They, don't, they weren't praying in this great faith because when Peter gets released and he shows up, he's knocking at the door, they think it's his angel and it's not really him. <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are put in jail for preaching the gospel. Listen up. This may be coming right here to River City. 
Paul and Silas put in jail for preaching. They're beaten. Their feet are put in stocks. Imagine today you get persecuted for living for Jesus, taking a stand for truth in the gospel. You're beaten. You're flogged. You're put in jail and you're chained. And then it says in Acts 16, what did they do at midnight? They started complaining, feeling sorry for themselves. God, where are you? You've abandoned me. That's not what they did. It says at midnight they began to pray and sing hymns to God. Lord, we thank You. We praise You for the honor of being persecuted for You. Oh God, thank You. We praise You. We love You. They begin to worship God and pray and the Holy Ghost comes and miraculously frees them. So many examples in Acts. of God's power coming. And this is happening today. Through prayer, I've seen the hard-hearted get saved. I've seen addicts set free. I've seen relationships reconciled. I've seen bodies healed. I've seen demons cast out. I've seen hope restored and much more. God is still doing miracles today. Hallelujah. You believe it? You believe it? And you can see from this list, these five things, how much prayer was a huge part of the early church. And if that was important to them, how much more important for us today? Listen, we need to take stock, church. We really do. We need to take stock. God's doing a lot of great things here at Living Hope, but there is an area that we need to step up our game, and that is corporate prayer. When I was at Watkinsville First Baptist as a college student, I had the privilege of hearing Leonard Ravenhill on two occasions come and speak to that church. And that's where I always remember that phrase, we need a Pentecost, it'll out Pentecost, Pentecost. And he came one year on one condition that he could go and visit the grave of E.M. Bounds because his writings on prayer had so profoundly impacted Ravenhill. E.M. Bounds is buried in Washington, Georgia, by the way. I've been to his graveside. And this is one of his quotes that I love from E.M. Bounds. When God's house on earth is a house of prayer, then God's house in heaven is busy and all potent in its plans and movements. Then His earthly armies, that's you and me, are clothed with the triumphs and spoils of victory and His enemies defeated at every hand. And speaking of His enemies defeated at every hand, the fourth reason why there's power in prayer, and I want to encourage you to hang with me here. Lord, don't let me sin as I preach this pat point. The enemy against whom we pray. There's power in prayer because of the God to whom we pray, the will for which we pray, the body with whom we pray, and the enemy against whom we pray. If you are not aware that we are in a major escalating spiritual battle with light and darkness, then you have either your head is in the sand or you don't watch the news very regularly. The Bible says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the powers of darkness. After we finish this little mini-series on prayer, when I return to Fresh Encounters with Jesus, I'm going to do three weeks on demons encounter Jesus and what happened. The good news, though despite the increase in wickedness that's happening around us, the good news is the kingdom of darkness was defeated 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. When Jesus said, it is finished. He won the victory. Satan's upper hand was taken away. The keys of sin and death were taken away, given to the church, and that victory is ours today. Greater is He that's in us than he that's in the world. And prayer is one of the primary ways of enforcing that victory on earth. Satan was defeated, but not annihilated. 
He was disarmed but not completely removed. That'll come later, hallelujah, I can't wait. But in the meantime, we in prayer can bind and loose. We bind demonic powers, we loose God's Spirit. Prayer is a way to enforce upon earth the victory that Jesus won for us. In Mark 3 and 27, how can you enter a strong man's house and plunder his possessions unless you first bind the strong man? This is why S.D. Gordon says this, prayer is striking the winning blow at the concealed enemy. Service is gathering up the results of that blow among the men we see and touch. In 1 John 3 and 8, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And we are His hands and feet to help bring this about. That is why we need knees on the carpet, book in our hand, boots on the ground. It seems that the works of darkness are increasing all around us. And this should cause us to not be discouraged or retreat or let the world go to hell in a handbasket, but rather rise up as the people of God. We are salt and light. And part of being salt and light is interceding and praying against the forces of darkness so that God's light shines in the midst of darkness. Question, how much less darkness would there be in our country right now if God's people were praying more? Now some think that this is all just end times prophecy and let's just hunker down and wait for Christ to be returned. I do believe that signs of the end times definitely include things getting worse, but I don't think that means we just retreat and hunker down and say, well, whatever will be, will be. I think we should be working, knees on the carpet, boots on the ground, to see the kingdom of God, as much as God will allow, come to earth as it is in heaven. Knees on the carpet to pray and seek the Lord and to cry out, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. In my family, in our church, in this neighborhood, in Athens, Georgia, in Washington, D.C. And, listen, boots on the ground to take action, to share the gospel, to run for public office, to attend school board meetings. And how do you know where to put boots on the ground? By the time you put knees on the carpet. If your knees are on the carpet, He'll show you when and where and how the boots are to be on the ground. During World War II, the Nazis had gained significant ground in gaining more control by the day. The U.S. could have said, oh, that's over there, it doesn't affect us, just stay in our holy huddle, so to speak. But people prayed. And there is documentation that prayer meetings changed the course of certain battles in World War II. And also, President Dwight D. Eisenhower courageously sent our troops to invade the shores of Normandy. And though there were many casualties, it turned the tide of the war and the, and the Allied forces defeated Hitler and Nazism and freed the Jews in concentration camps. Hallelujah. Knees on the carpet, boots on the ground. We need that today. This Thursday, we have an opportunity to apply part of this message. This, this coming Thursday at 11 a.m. at City Hall in Athens, Georgia, they'll be raising the rainbow flag in honor of Pride Month. I want to share with you a text exchange I had yesterday with the mayor of Athens, Kelly Gertz. Good morning, Mayor. Blessed Memorial Day weekend as we honor those who gave their life for our great nation. Question, is it true the city of Athens will be raising the rainbow flag Thursday at 11 a.m. to honor Pride Month? His response, Blessed Memorial Day weekend to you. We are raising the Pride flag as we do now every June. 
my response. I'm not trying to be difficult, but just know that many of us who follow Jesus and believe in the morality of the Bible strongly oppose this. We love all people, but see this as government overreach. To us, this is celebrating immorality and has no place in our city. We would equally see it as wrong if you raised a Jesus is Lord flag. Please stop giving preferential treatment to a group that is now trying to promote drag shows with children and gender-altering treatment for children without parental consent. There will be some of us gathered nearby to pray at 11 a.m. So at 11 a.m., I'm calling the church to be at a corner near City Hall, and we are going to raise a flag that Rich has that says Jesus is King, and we're just going to get on our knees and pray against the powers of darkness that are behind this movement. And if you can't come, then pray where you are, Thursday at 11. Four reasons why we've seen that prayer is powerful today. It's powerful because of the God to whom we pray, the will for which we pray, the body with which we pray, and the enemy against whom we pray. So again, the best way to pray and learn how to pray is to what? What's the best way to learn how to pray? Pray. It would be irresponsible if I preached this and didn't give us a chance to pray. So you have four options. Listen closely for the next ten minutes. Most of you I would like to see in groups of three to four, and I want to encourage you to spread out. So I'd like Jimmy and Susan, maybe Jimmy, you go to this side. Don't, don't pray together on this one. I'd like you all to split up. I'd like you to go to different... I'd love to see tons of movement. Like just, just randomly run across the room and find two, three, four people that you don't know or, or that you haven't ever prayed with and just begin to pray. Don't share a need. Last week we had you share a need. You just huddle up, groups of three to four, and just pray as the Spirit leads you. He will. Not permission to leave early, anybody. Okay? Guard the door, Kevin. Second option, prayer team. If you're on our prayer team, go ahead and get your name tags and go ahead and take your spots. So if you'd like to pray with somebody individually about something on your heart, then go to somebody on the prayer team. Third option, the wall of compassion. We recently painted over it, so time to get fresh names up there. You may have had names that got covered up, put new and put them back on. So you may want to go to the wall of compassion, write the names of unsafe people. This is not a place for children to do their coloring and artwork. It's a place only for unsafe people's names. We had a lot go up in first, so that was cool. So you may want to fill, you may go over there, either before or after you pray in a small group, but write the names of unsafe people, cry out to God for their salvation. Fourth option, I'm going to be down front. Um, let's see. Brian, would you be with me? And Jimmy, would you be with me? Um, and Ann Clements, you three, be with me down here. We're going to pray for anybody that wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit fresh today on Pentecost Sunday. So if you just like quick prayer for you to get a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, we'll be down here to do that. Small groups, prayer team, wall of compassion, prayer for the filling of the Holy Spirit. You got 10 minutes, then I'll close us. Go for it. Let's go for it.